When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's exciting that Tom Hardy's released a line of clothing. It's clothes on sale at Selfridges tomorrow. And uh, he said, for men who like working out, Oh, I don't like that T-shirt he's wearing. Yeah, it's a horrible T-shirt. He's not actually a very big guy. No, he's not at all. He, he has got big, like, when he played Bane, but he's only short. That's a lot of clever camera work. So when, when he's playing Bane, he towers over Christian Bale. Yeah. Christian Bale's 6'2", and he's 5'9". Exactly. So it's like me towering over you. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> I watched the Reacher film. Yep. Ama- amazing one-liners in it. Some of the best yeah. one-liners. But Tom Cruise, when you know... He's Reacher should be 6'5". Six, 6'5", five. Six, five and 18 stone. Yeah. Of solid muscle. Basically the rock. The rock well, similar to James Haskell. James Haskell's an inch James. shorter, but like physically, because the blonde hair, not traditionally good looking. Obviously Reacher's a bit older, but... Yeah, he's one of the older. Jamie Cudmore. A, a very, oh, Jamie Cudmore's a great shot. Yeah. <laughs> Jamie Cudmore, or maybe, I was going to say um, Ben K, but he's too jovial. Yeah. He's um, the right size for it. Bald, but he's not in as good a shape. You need to be in like Cudmore shape. Cudmore, that's a great shout. Can I interrupt this very yes. metro conversation to uh, <laughs> maybe get proceedings going with the podcast? Is your did, you he- just, did you? Were you recording that? I might have been. Are you? Is your head in the game, JB? Massively in the game. Are you? Are you ready for this, Phil? Always. All right, hands in. One, two, three. Pod. 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 Welcome again to another Egg Chasers Rugby podcast as we sharpen our skills and get ourselves ready for the brand new season and look back at the end of the Southern Hemisphere Super Rugby season as well. There's loads going on on this podcast, not least Phil getting up close and personal with some Harlequins quads. Yes, some wonderful quads, some wonderful arms as well. More, wow. more, more, more on <laughs> right. that in a little bit. More on that in a little bit. Yeah, it was the end of the Super Rugby season and we will be definitely talking about that. We've got a fan-free agency as clubs from up and down the land try and win our affections as a potential club for Phil to support. There's loads to talk about, gents. Uh, JB has had a sort of, well, not rugby, but you had a sporting encounter with Sly Stallone as I well, did. didn't you? Yeah, so that's, some real arms and legs there. That's going to be coming. <laughs> that's going to be coming up on the podcast as well. But it's, it has been a big week, and I think we should start with your trip. Now you you were working in London, so you. What did you say to your bosses about the reason you weren't going to be in, in work first thing in the morning? Uh, a networking event. That's not a, which, which, that's, which it was. That's fine. Yeah, it, I only missed a couple of hours, but I uh, de- definitely put the hours in last week, so I think I'm okay. All right, fair enough. Well, you went. Up the shard, and that's not a euphemism for anything. <laughs> yeah, half of what I was excited about was actually just going up the shard. It's awesome. Well, the 68th or 69th floor for like 360 views of London, which 
for the first few minutes before the players arrived, that's what I was enjoying. And I kind yeah. of forgot that I was about to look at the new kit, about to meet some of the players. And then when they all walked through wearing their lovely new kit, I was like, oh, yes. Now it gets interesting. Awesome. So you met some of the Quinn's international players who were there to unleash the brand new kit. Now, if you haven't seen the kit, then you can look back. Well, I'm sure you'll find it online. But we've posted it on our Twitter account, at Rugby Podcast. And Phil, you got up close and personal with a brand new stash from uh, Harlequins. What was, your, what was your impression of the kit? Well, I think all of us saw a picture the night before of just the shirt. They looked decent, but not incredible. But when you actually saw them as a full ensemble with the shorts and with the socks as well, and then on the... Uh, it's the first stra- time I've ever heard of uh, some rugby stash <laughs> being referred to as an ensemble. Yes, we always say that. <laughs> I, I, tell you I what, like it, I like it. I watched the Sevens yeah, uh, last night. Which um, basically, they're all dressed as your favourite teams, but they're not your favourite teams. <laughs> um, and the Harlequins had their away kit on with the red shorts. I love the red shorts. Yeah. They and look really cool. They did look really good with those socks. The socks were awesome. Mm. Interestingly, Marlon Yard had a ladder in his socks. They would like rip down the side, which is not what you want when you're demonstrating the quality of Adidas, oh, yeah. that Adidas bring mm. to, to hard wearing rugby kits. Now, I'm not saying I could improve the kit. I wouldn't say that. But if I was to improve the kit, I'd, the lines on the back of the shirt should be in like three different colours. Yeah, I do know what you mean. I like, like, like the Italians. I, I think I think this is another addition to the golden age of stash. I was dubious about the away shirt, but with the mm. whole kit. If I was going to buy one, I probably would go for the away one, actually. I'd go for the home top, but I like the away kit more. Boys, listen, yeah. great as our conversation talking about the kit is, <laughs> Phil went and chatted to some international players. Yeah. Up, up, he was up the shard <laughs> with Jordan Turner Hall, with Hugo Monia, with Marlon Yard, with Danny Kerr, with Joe Marler. And let's hear from some of those guys. Now, this is firstly, Phil, you having a chat with the guy who was injured for a lot of last season, but he's was looking back and looking fit as well by the by the sounds of things. Yes, looking in, in great shape. He actually said he's uh, been working on losing a bit of weight. This is uh, Jordan Turner Hall. Hey. So I'm here with Jordan Turner Hall, Harlequins in England. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thank you, mate. Uh, nice early start. Um, just at the Shard with a great view. So I've never been here, so it's a, it's a great morning. Yeah, me neither. I've uh, been wanting to come up here for a while, but it, it's quite a good view, quite a good opportunity to come Yeah, up. I mean, it's got a 360 view. I've heard it's 50 quid to get up here, so it's a Is it? Bargain. Yeah, we got here for free, so no, it's good. Oh, I, d- I didn't know that. I've, uh, I've yeah. done all right there. Yeah, I've managed to see the Emirates on the um, the old telescope, so no, it's good. All right. Yeah. Um, how's pre-season going? Yeah, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, the guys have obviously had a, a rest, um, a bit of a break away from rugby, but all the boys have come back. Um, obviously, we've got Adidas kit, so that's been brilliant. Yeah. Um, and uh, we look the business, so, uh, I mean, and now it's just to, to act the business. So, uh, boys been training hard, a lot of running, we skill-based work, and um, we've got, we're going to Grenoble the, uh, next week. Yeah. Uh, where we play Grenoble, so um, that'll be brilliant. And Travelling uh, over to France. Yeah, going to France for the week. We've got our Team Values Day this Monday, and then we travel, so... Um, We'll put a few principles in place and then set us up for the season, hopefully further on from that. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, the boys, there's good good buzz around the boys and I'm uh, looking forward to it. Let, let's just talk about this, because have, have you ever done a... I mean, he sounds like a nice bloke, by the way. I've never spoken to Jordan Turner. Uh, no, he's a very nice bloke. He's very relaxed and easy to talk to. He talked about the, the, what, the team... Principles Day, or yeah. yeah, I know me and Jay have been in one of these because yeah, when, when we played in the same team, did Sedgley Park used to do this as well? Yeah, did a few, not probably not every single season, but yeah, a few on and off. I know JB has yeah. strong opinions on these. I think they're a waste of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're nice, they're nice because everyone gets gets a forum to 
give their two penneth. But you don't want to be the guy who looks around and goes, I have no confidence in this group of players whatsoever. And the year when Broughton Park got relegated, uh, in the same team session that you were at, I was looking around that room and thought, this team isn't staying up. I don't know where we're getting some wins from. And yet we decided our goal was promotion. No, but I, but I, I think the problem with that season was we had that session, we got the clipboards out, we all wrote stuff down and it never, ever got referred to again. Oh, it never Whereas does. Actually, what you, well, no, but I reckon what Quinns will do and what good teams do is they will distill it down into some key points. They will pin that up on the board and that is a yeah. set of values that they, that, that mm. they actually live by all seasons. Do you yeah. remember... Uh, Aston Villa manager is it John Gregory John Gregory yeah yeah. now one of the reasons John Gregory got fired is because he lost the respect of his players because he made them wear suit and tie to work in the morning oh sorry shirt and tie not suits what to turn up to training to training and they said no we're not. I think that's a good idea Look, if you pay me 30k a week, <laughs> I'll show up in shirt and tie every day, even on my days off. Let's get back to Jordan Turner Hall, but the reason I stopped that is um, because I wanted to play this bit of music before we hear the next bit. <laughs> I, think, I think Phil might have a new man crush. <laughs> have a listen. Can I just say, from when you were lined up with the boys before, best quads in the show? Yeah, I pride myself on quads. Uh, <laughs> I haven't got any hammies or anything, but yeah, no, the, quads, the quads are good, yeah. Quads on show, definitely. Yeah, yeah quads in. I'll get more oiled up for the game, so that's, <laughs> it's all good. Anything you're doing particularly to uh, work on them? Anything different this year? No, all in genetics, mate. All in genetics. <laughs> Blessed. Yeah, mum and dad, thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Then I've, I've taken a bit out, but Phil then offered to massage them and got escorted out of the shard. <laughs> That's weird, that, wasn't it? <laughs> really weird. It's fine. He's a good-looking lad. <laughs> We're just mates having fun. Exactly. Oh, right. Well, yeah, then you. Yeah, it's good chat, good chat. Jordan Turnhall seemed very comfortable in front of the microphone, very relaxed, at ease. You, you then spoke to Marlin Yard, who yeah. <laughs> now equally sounding like a, a lovely bloke. He's just started with his new club, which I think you can tell when you listen because... He's acting, isn't he, like a person who's just started at a new job, trying to keep his nose clean, not do anything to put his head above the parapet, doing everything by the book. Yeah, he was very friendly, but he was like quite media trained and very straight down the line and talking in cliches. I'll tell you what I'll do. As we listen to Marlon Yard, we'll make a little noise. When he says some sort of media trained type cliche... We'll play that noise. Oh, nice noise, nice noise. So what do you think of the new kits? Oh, it's awesome. Uh, you know, being at us as well, being the, the leading sports brand, you know, they've got an, uh, a real good way of, you know, making shirts. And uh, with this iconic <laughs> jersey and being Harlequins as well, it just brings the perfect fit. So I think everyone's really excited about the jerseys and everyone's really excited to kick start the season now. Yeah. And how's it going at Harlequins? How are you fitting in? I'm only into my second week, so it's just about sort of getting my head down, working as hard as I can, and you know, no preseason's easy. So uh, you know, everyone's working really hard. The attitude's right, and yeah, it's really exciting to sort of you know get get the first game underway. Yeah, are you up to speed with all the nicknames yet of the Harlequins boys? Um, I knew quite a few of the guys before I even came, so uh, sort of engaging them and, uh, and speaking to them was quite easy. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's been awesome. The guys have been very welcoming, and it's a real good place to be. Any good nicknames? We know Minty. Uh, is there any others? Uh, no. Anything clever? I think they call it look what it's Tarzan. So. <laughs> Tarzan, why? Oh, because of the hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think that's the thing. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That was Marlon Yard uh, having a natter with Phil. They've got to have better, ruder nicknames than Tarzan <laughs> for know. Luke Wallace, hasn't they? I was really trying to drag it out of him, get some, Come on. some good information. Maybe but. it's because he only smashes girls called Jane. <laughs> if you're not aware of the if you're not aware of the minty nickname that is 
for Nick Easter because he looks a bit like Minty, who used to be on EastEnders. EastEnders. <laughs> he must he must be absolutely buzzing being part of that squad. Yes, yeah, particularly part of that backline because it's a very exciting backline. How big is he? Six foot. Uh, really, I thought he's smaller than that. I thought he's quite a small guy. No, about six foot. Uh, okay, quite well built. What a talent! He is a real talent. He'll be good. Really? Yes. Mm. Uh, anyway, good stuff so far. And Phil met more people uh, up the shard. So I'm here with Harlequins England and British and Irish Lion, Ugo Monier. Hi, how you doing? You're all... Not bad, thanks. Uh, right, first things first, you're a very fashionable man. We've all, uh, all seen your wonderful outfits on the BT Sports Sky when you've been doing pundit work. What do you think of Chris Robshaw's Joe Marler impression? <laughs> <laughs> right, Phil, you've got to explain this because Ugo Monia obviously found that very funny, but I, I don't understand. So when we arrived, first time we've seen uh, Rob Shaw in a while, mm-hmm. um, and he's got a lot more blonde streaks in his hair, which is similar to Joe Marler, Indeed. and he's grown a nice big bushy beard. He's been on angle seal something. Similar to, similar to Joe Marler. And so I was referring to that. That's what I, uh, I meant by my uh, impersonation. I'm not sure. Like listening back to this, I'm not sure if he was if he got that from it or whether he whether Joe Marler actually does a Chris Rockshaw oh, impression. That's or, sorry, what I'm Chris... thinking. I think you might have accidentally stumbled into a bit of I reckon in squad banter that no one's aware of well, about Mar- actual impressions that Marla's they do of fair, each other. Fairly unique character, and if anyone's going to be parodied, it would be Marler. Well, Marla or, or if anyone's going to be doing the parodying, it will be, be practically stand-up comedian Joe Marler. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think you might be right there. Let's listen to a bit more. It's good. Um, I think he's pretty much spot on. But um, I think the better question is, like, I'm not sure if you're aware of Joe Marler's Chris Robshaw impression. <laughs> well, who who was first? Um, I think it was probably Joe taking a mick out of Chris, and Chris has just retaliated. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Joe Joe does a pretty good impression of Chris. You should check it out. <laughs> um, how's pre-season going so far? Yeah, it's been really tough. Just head down, just grafting really hard. Um, great to integrate some of the players like Marlon, Tikratuma, the seven of the new academy guys that have come in. Um, just trying to get to know everyone. But, but first and foremost, first few weeks, just getting fast, getting strong, getting fit. And now we're just adding that detail. First game's next week and just can't wait to get out there and just crack on. Who's that first pre-season game against? Lake Grenoble next week and then Poe and then Glasgow. So three tough pre-season games. Yeah. Um, during pre-season, obviously you'll be eating clean most of the time. Is there any uh, cheat meal that you'd choose if you got a, a day off? Nando's. Would you? Yeah, it'd have to be a Nando's. Yeah, I'd go chicken pizza chips, I'd say, if it was a cheat day. Uh, halloumi. Um, get some chicken livers in there as well, maybe a soft drink. Yeah, so uh, you go big. Have you got the Nando's black card? I don't, unfortunately. Oh. Chris Robshaw's got one, though. Uh, hang around hang with him, then. Yeah, so it happens when you're England captain, I guess. <laughs> Hugo Monnier there, talking to Phil um, and talking to the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. Just by the way, my, my boss at XFM has got one of those Nando's black what? cards. Oh. And, and, it, and it gets you six people anything you want off the menu. Anything. So wow. it's all completely for free, whenever you want. There's no limit on the number of times you can use it as well. Wow. So if, so if I want to go and have two whole chickens to myself, it's up to go you, Phil. Go for it. Go for it. Oh. No. Go for it. No, no, no. As cheat meals go, that's pretty good. It's not, it's not a bad yeah, cheat meal, Yeah, if you want to cheat, halloumi and chicken is pretty good, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh it, it could do a lot worse. He's in good shape, is, is Hugo. 
His shoulder to waist ratio is was undoubtedly the highest. <laughs> wow. That's a ratio yeah. you want to win. Highest in the room. <laughs> I, do you know what I wish you would have asked him, Phil? Oh, what? Who's faster, him or Marlon? Well, if I, if I got an interview with Mike Brown, which I was pushing for, but because of his commitments, like he's been a Six Nations man of the Autumn Internationals. Yeah. He was just too busy with, with other people. I was going to talk to him about uh, his work with Margot Wells, the oh, yeah, speed good. coach, and try and find out who is the fastest in the squad. But unfortunately, I didn't get didn't get chance to do it. Best go uh, back down there. I know. Next time, next it's... time, uh, Harlequins are kind enough to offer us uh, an invite to something like this. Now, Phil's got loads of good stuff, and a little bit later. When we come to the conclusion of our one-man 15, this is where we try and pick what we think is the best player in the world by doing something like the old Jonah Lomu PlayStation game when you used to be able to unlock a team full of Jonah Lomu's 1-15. to Uh, We're trying to do a thing at the minute where we pit players against each other, imagining that there was a whole team only of that player. Now, the Quinns boys have given their thoughts on who they would have 1-15 to in world rugby, so you're going to hear that from them. But before we depart Quinns for the time being, let's just get some of the brilliant... Uh, liners that Phil managed to get for them for us uh, on the Egg Chasers podcast. Now, we pride ourselves on these. We've had Jack Berger saying that he <laughs> listens to the podcast whilst he's uh, hunting his wildebeest for dinner. Yeah, it certainly does. In Namibia. Uh, this is Joe Marla. Hi, I'm Joe Marla. When I'm impersonating Zangief from Street Fighter, I always listen to... <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Joe Marla. When I'm impersonating Zangief from Street Fighter, I always listen to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. And if you're too young to remember Street Fighter 2 on the old Nintendo, on the old NES, SNES, Super NES, yeah. then, Super uh, Nintendo then, the then you should look it up because basically the guy looks exactly like Joe Marla. Now, when, when Joe Marla finished that, he checked that I'd stopped recording and then he said, <laughs> you f- <laughs> you can bleep that if you want to. Yeah, yeah. Bleep button was on the go. Uh, this is Hugo Monye. Hi, I'm Hugo Monye, and when I'm not scoffing my face eating Nando's, I always listen to Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Now, we can't say what you asked him to say, but he refused to say it. I don't wanna... <laughs> he didn't want to say it. Yeah. We'll he, just leave it at that. He did. He we'll refused. Uh, here is Marlon Yard. Hi, I'm Marlon Yard. When I'm not changing direction like a housefly, I like to listen to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Oh, the human housefly, love it. And finally, <laughs> and ch- check out, I believe Danny Kerr had a mouthful of food at the time you asked him this, is that right? <laughs> and he, couldn't wait to get out of the shard. Uh, basically, yeah, he was on his way to training, he was taking on some food because he was about to go, go and train, and I just grabbed him for 30 seconds as he was wa- literally walking out the door. Hi, I'm Danny Kerr. When I'm getting a high and tight haircut, I always listen to the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast. <laughs> high and tight, yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, you can always get in touch with us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Don't but let's know. get on to the Super Rugby final. New South Wales Waratahs were the victors, and I think we were all agreed, weren't we? I mean, me and Phil actually predicted a narrow win for Canterbury. <laughs> Idiots. <laughs> well, it could not have been closer. It was a one-point game. Well, and yeah. it was the, the lead changed over with, what, two minutes to go? Less than two minutes oh, to go? Right, okay, okay, yeah. Uh, I suppose I suppose been nearly right is the same as been wrong, isn't it? Though, so still <laughs> wrong. <laughs> but a brilliant, well, a, a, I'm, I'm going to say a big cheese, a, a cliche now, but a great advert for Super Rugby. Oh, I think the winner that day was rugby. Winner, <laughs> rugby was the winner. Yeah. Thank you. Really, really good match. And, and, and when Waratah started like so strongly and went, was it 11 points 11 up? 11 points up, yeah. Um, yeah. And you actually said to him, you thought this could be a route. Mm. Um, well, I am. Um, 
I was in I was on there. I was in training on Thursday and I was having a debate with an Australian fellow who plays in our team and I was telling him that I think Adam Ashley Cooper is massively overrated. And then I proceeded to tell you guys that about the conversation about Adam Ashley Cooper being overrated, um, and, and then I he point, scored. I might, I might point out, as Phil was saying, no, no, no. He's he's had he's had a good ten years playing brilliantly at Super Rugby and playing brilliantly at international level, and he's so versatile and can play in so many positions. Well, shut, shut up, Phil. Adam Ashley Cooper's just scored. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he scored not, two, not one but two tries, and got the official man of the match. Oh dear. Uh, tell you, man, who I thought was quiet, uh, Israel Falau. Yeah. Waratahs were the best team. They, they're def- I, I, everyone talks about their attacking skill and their backline and players like Falau and Kirtley Beal and all the rest of it. But it was their defence, I thought, was so aggressive. Yeah, which, which we mentioned last week as well. Getting off the line that quickly. And, uh, and the, the chop tackles as well. If you're a young kid, which I, I can't imagine too many of them are listening to this. I hope not. Watch that game because the, everyone was tackling low round the legs and chopping people and they were just falling where the, where the tackle was made. Oh, interesting point. Just going off... Um, a topic a bit. Seattle Seahawks, who are the current Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. And it's a video about how to tackle in NFL like rugby players. And narrated really? by the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks. We can come back to that. But yeah, I thought... Yeah, it's but, something we've, and it's about the chop. We, it's something we've mentioned a few times when we've been watching and NFL. Pr- yeah, and they, they look at the players, the rugby players making the tackles, and they've called them things like... Uh, they've Americanized it's like the confrontation t- tackle, the missile chop, and you know that, those kind of things. Well, well, let's let's come back to that. Let's just talk um, this final for a minute because I think it was about half time. We were going, oh, Dan Carter's been really, really quiet. And Phil, you made the observation. You said, you know what? I'll, I'll say it again. I think we could be seeing the end of an icon. I think so. And, uh, then, yeah. and then he limped off just into the second half after he kicked the ball. Yeah, mm. no, no Pretty contact, innocuous. no one around him. Now uh, the Crusaders' biggest mistake by some distance was putting Richie McCaw in a six shirt. Because all this did is confuse the ref. So the ref is, it will always give Richie McCaw whatever he wants if he's in a seven shirt. But if he's in the six shirt, the ref can't immediately make that decision <laughs> that it's Richie McCaw. So he's blowing up for things Richie McCaw should never be blown up for. Yeah. You know, Which he was... If he comes in from the side, well, that's Richie McCaw's decision. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's his birthright. Hands on the floor is fine for Richie McCaw. So, and Crusaders didn't exploit this because Matt Todd, who's wearing the seven, isn't doesn't normally get this, no, because this amount of freedom. Yeah, yeah, because he plays by the rules. And you can see it in Craig Joubert's face. He'd blow the whistle and goes, oh, what have I done? <laughs> oh, I've just penalised Richie McCall oh, for an no. infringement on the floor. The, the rugby Illuminati are going to end my career. <laughs> so, yeah, that was their biggest mistake. Richie McCall did get pinged a lot, didn't he? It was quite unusual. Yeah, well, yeah. he gave away that last penalty for the kick. He yeah. did. Yeah, and one so. of many penalties he gave away. I was reading an article about him today. He's got like something like four World Players of the Year, uh, three Grand Slam tours, a World Cup. It, the list goes on and on and on. So actually, he doesn't need another one. Yeah, he's, he's got a lion, that. lion's whitewash. Losing one Grand Final in Super Rugby is not going to taint, or even giving away a load of penalties in it, is not going to taint his reputation no. one bit. No. So that's Super Rugby. Let's gear up for the brand new Premiership season and mm. the last two teams that are going under the microscope in the Aviva Premiership in our club close-up. Now, we've looked at every single one of the teams bar Saracens and Leicester. Correct. Arguably, we've kept two of the big guns till the end. Certainly, um, in the case of Saracens, looking at their squad, you'd, you'd have to think, well, but no, in fact, both of them. They're, they're both the big guns. So let's let's get straight into this. Let's start with Saracens. So the way we're going to look at this, we'll, we're going to... Look at the, the recruitment that they've made over the summer, the squad they've got and how we think they'll fare in the coming season. We also look at their stash. Now, they're keeping the same stash as they did last year. That's stripey, 
get up. Oh, yeah, I don't like that. Uh, I know you do, but I don't. Well, the only thing I like about it is the CNBC logo on the front. Or oh, Allianz, isn't it, as well? I don't know, but it's a little one. Oh, a little it, one just it, by just, the collar. Yeah, oh, yeah. it's just pretty cool, that is. In the centre. Yeah. I, I like the home shirt because it's no. the traditional colours. The away shirt is just like the away shirt is a bit just, bland. It's just gruel, isn't it? It's grey gruel. It's yeah. just bland, boring. The recruitment that for, for Saracens, it's been quite a quiet summer. Yeah, it it has. Jim, Jim Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, is their biggest signing, Mister Mister Tiny Calves. <laughs> I, I think I think that will turn out to be quite a good yeah, signing. Yeah, sure, be all right. They've got a prop from Montpellier in Juan Figaro. Who will come in to replace Matt Stevens, who's leaving. Exactly. But do you know what? If you looked at Saracen's transfer policy a few years ago when they bought in relative unknowns like Jack Berger, Moritz Botha, uh, who's, who's number eight? Joubert. Joubert. You know, all these guys who think, who are these guys? And they turn out to be awesome. Mm. Don't be surprised if Saracen's know, know a thing or two before bringing them in. They've signed Western Force's Kieran Longbottom as well. He's not an Australian international, but he has 57 Western Force caps to Is his name. prop? Yeah, yes. prop. So how do you see Saracen's going from very nearly winning it to just going one better? They were seconds away from winning, weren't they, that, yeah. that final? Um, they comfortably beat Clermont Auvergne in the semi-final of the yeah. Heineken Cup. One of the best performances I've ever seen, actually. Yeah, that defensive performance was incredible. Although they did lose quite comprehensively to Toulon uh, in the final game, but that's playing the best team in the world, arguably. Maybe the best team ever assembled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, probably, it's probably not even worth trying to bridge that gap, is it? It's just hoping you get well, Toulon on a bit of an off day. And you well, have a real, I think the only way you're going to beat someone like Toulon is through teamwork and ethics rather than big, big spending, because you're not going to match them. Yeah, you can't. it's impossible to match them because they've got three times the salary cap. Exactly. The, cri- the criticism that was aimed at Saracens, and no one questions their grunt, their organisation, their defensive work, but the criticism that was aimed at them was the ability to just have a spark of inspiration or a bit of flair. Yeah, the creativity of their backs can, <sighs> could definitely be questioned. Well, when, you, when you've got people like Wigglesworth, like Farrell, like Brad Barrett, who are very solid players, but they're not exactly going to show and go and go 50 yards step in the fullback, are they? Well, uh, when the brag for your scrum half is he's the best kicking scrum half in the league, it's time to hold, time to hold your head in your hands. I watched them play... Um, play sevens uh, yesterday and they play sevens like they play fifteens and safe to say they got hammered well the first game that they played they played uh, I think they played wasps and they beat them very comfortably because they had two Kenyan lads oh yeah but two, they ring, were two ringers later who on. played fantastically in the first game scored two tries each and then against Harlequins Harlequins had like some real oh. good sevens players Harlequins Charlie, were amazing Charlie Walker Oliver Lindsay Haig they tore it up I think Saracens will be exactly what they were last year. They'll be mm-hmm. very strong in contact, very strong up front. The defence will be very good, but they, they might fall short again because they lack that, that little bit of spark. Mm. I, I think a real big addition will be Will Fraser getting fit. I think what he'll allow them to do is rest Jack Berger. Someone like Jack Berger can't play every game. It'd be physically... You know, the laws of the universe, laws of physics don't allow it. You, know, you can't make that many hits. So they'll need to rest him against, you know, when they play, I don't know, with likes of, New, uh, uh, likes of Newcastle. I think that will, that will make a big difference. Yeah. Like a boa constrictor. Exactly. They, they don't go in for the kill and with venom and a quick kill, they'll go for a slow death and they'll just squeeze you and squeeze you and squeeze you and squeeze you and grind out wins. And I think that's what they'll do all season because they've just got power. Yeah. yeah. I think the power. best thing they can do is just don't change anything and keep keep going. 
All right, well, before we decide how we think that they're going to fare this season, why don't we talk about Leicester Tigers? Yes. Who would have had, a, by their standards, would have had a disappointing season. They're also keeping the same stash, which is fabulous yes. for yes. their home shirt because that was our favourite. But yeah. they had... How did you describe their home kit? Like a, like a Jaguar X-type in, sta- yeah, in stash indeed. form. It is it's a lovely British kit. British engineering. It's a lovely... The away kit, which is like a... A, tar- a tartan picnic blanket. It's very odd. It's it's the biggest gap in kits between a great home kit and a terrible away kit. But also, I'm sure they kept the third team or the third change kit as a third kit from two, three years ago. The European kit. Oh, it's disgusting. It's it's offensive to oh, me. Oh, that nice. grey one. Yeah, but like oh, tiger yeah, stripes. That, that is the? horrible. That is horrible. It's like, it's like a five-year-old designed that kit. A lot of players have left Leicester. Yes. A lot... Um, let me just rattle through these. Thomas Waldron, Boris Stankovic, Ryan Lamb, Toby Flood, um, Rob Hawkins and George Shooter. I suppose they're peripheral figures, really. Dan Bowden's a big player that they've lost. Yeah, Dan Bowden. Other than that, they've lost a lot of kind of squad players. But those are six frontline first team or thereabouts players. They have brought a few players in. Mainly from, from Italy. Well, sounds like a recipe for success. Tell me B- more. Benetton Treviso. Brought in Seremiah by, by is it by? How do you say <laughs> yeah, his name? Who's what thirty six? Tell you what, that yeah. that Not, is it. Just shows what confidence that they they have in their fly half position. He's yeah, he's, he's thirty five. Um, he's got quite a few caps for Fiji. Interesting to see who wins the, the battle of that ten shirt. I think they'll rotate them a bit, yeah. but it'll be interesting to see the big games who they go for. And not only that. Neither of them strikes me as a guy that can move to 12. What I really love about Christian uh, Loamanu, who signed from Benetton Treviso. The Japanese. Japanese international, originally from Tonga. He's listed as, when you look at playing positions, wing, centre, fullback, number eight. Nice. <laughs> That's kind of guy. Now, that either says a lot about That's him. perfect about Valesta, don't you think? Yeah. Well, either says a lot about him, or it says a lot about Benetton Treviso. <laughs> <laughs> well, Benetton Treviso... There's a few players gone to Sale as well, Dimashi and Luke McLean. A few players gone to to Wales. Like, is anyone going to be left in in Benetton? Uh, uh, Benetton, the rugby equivalent of Southampton, which is for <laughs> this, some reason everyone thinks their players are world class, despite them not doing anything world class. I, I think the Leicester and Sale signings are actually good players, yeah. like proven internationals, experienced. Val- but value they're not beating. They will get value. How do you think Leicester are going to fare? I think Leicester last season were very hard hit by injuries. Money Polo was out for a long time, yeah, so but... Dan Cole had to play 80 minutes, and then Dan Cole got injured, and Money Polo was having to play 80 minutes. I think you're right to say Tuilagi's going to have a full season, hopefully, touch wood. Yeah, and with Anthony Allen in the centres. Dan Cole to come back at some point. Yeah. Massive difference those would make. That'd be like new signings. Yeah, and I, I think when you look at the first 15 that Leicester can put out, it's can match a, pack, a team like Saracens up front and for the defensive qualities, but they also have players like Tuolagi, like Nicky Geneva, like um, Tom uh, Ben Youngs when he's on form and mm-hmm. Matthew Tate who can break the line. Leicester would, will do better than they did last year. Well, 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 let's, well, let's get to it because what we've been doing as we've been going through this is we've been putting people in the league table where we think they'll finish and we've done 10 of the teams. So how's what positions have we got? Well, go run through the table as it is, Phil. So in 12th, we've got... 12th, we've got Newcastle, then Welsh, London Welsh in 11th, Exeter, Exeter 10th, London Irish 9th, Sale Sharks 8th, Wasps 7th, Gloucester 6th, Quinns 5th. We don't have anyone in 4th. We have Bath 3rd, Northampton 2nd, and 1st is available. So 1 and 4 are available for Leicester and Saracens so to flip, slot into. Let's flip that round. Who of the two do you think is more likely to finish top? Saracens. I think 
in a one-on-one game, I, th- I would edge Leicester. Yeah. I do think that Saracens probably have like the attritional strength to do it up. to do it over the season like they did last year. Mm-hmm. So I think they might finish top. When you add Jeff Parling back into the mix, yeah, they got three really good. Manu Tuolagi having a full season if he does again. Touchwood. Yeah, if Tom and Tom Croft Tom comes Croft back. to come back, Dan Cole to come back. Croft won't come back until a month before the World Cup. <laughs> Six Nations. Uh, oh, Six Nations. You'll have a joint in Six Nations, I guess. That, no, hear me now, believe me later. Leicester fourth. We've now looked at every single team in the Aviva Premiership and we've come to the following conclusion. Let's go from bottom to top again. Newcastle Falcons will be relegated. Yeah, thank God. London Welsh should just escape. Then Exeter, London Irish, Sale, Wasps. So it'll be Wasps again who will get into the playoff for Europe. In, yeah, in seventh position. And the top six, the two teams that will get into the... European, European Champions, Champions Cup. Cup, but will not get through to the playoffs, will be... Gloucester and then Quinns. And the four teams who will make it to the knockout... Will be Leicester in fourth, Bath in third, Northampton second, and Saracens again in first. Pick a winner now, right now, before before a ball's been kicked, before a game's been Winner played. of the playoffs or winner of the league? Winner, winner of the, no, winner, winner of, of the, the, the final in, on the, the 31st of final. May next year. Bath. I'm going to say Leicester. Not happening... I'm going to say, I'm going to say Leicester. Wow, That's, that was my gut feeling. Yeah, I think Leicester will have a good, a good season next year. I, I, saying that, I think any of that top five, including Quinns, um, if if they Quinn's do make it into, the, into I, the top four, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I feel I feel boring saying the same one that Phil said. <laughs> nice, that, that, that's your role. <laughs> It's like when uh, me and my girlfriend go out for dinner and we both want the same thing, but she says, oh, no, I, can't, I don't want to have that. I don't have the uh, same as you. Well, uh, no, but do you not do what, what me and Kate do? I always, we always buy a different meal and then share the two. No. Like half S- and half. I sometimes sometimes I enjoy doing that. But. I don't mind stealing off, 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 off my other half's plate, but she's not having my food. Can I just say, this is no <laughs> euphemism as well. This is just, we're just talking about food. <laughs> half and half tonight, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear me. Right. Um, uh, what, are we, what are we talking? What are we talking? Uh, we've got the one pl- one man fifteen. Oh, good shout, Phil! Good shout, Phil! Let's talk one man fifteen. Now this all came to light because Phil thought Phil and JB came up with the idea that you could decide who the best player in the world is by doing what happened in the Jonah Lomu rugby game on the PlayStation, where you could unlock a team of fifteen Jonah Lomus, a devastating and fearful prospect. The theory is the best player in the world would be the person who, if you put fifteen of that player out, would be any other team made up of fifteen of anyone else. Makes perfect sense. Right. So we asked for some suggestions of who you would like to see in our one man 15 knockout. We've got ourselves all the way to the final set of matches. Yeah. So we've got semi final and then final, which we'll run through all, all in one. Mm-hmm. But our semi finals are what, Phil? Keen Healy versus Kieran Reid and Manu Tuolagi versus Sergio Parisi. Let's do the first one Keen Healy versus Kieran Reid. All right. There's going to be some injuries. There's going to be some walking <laughs> wounded after that game. Yes. Not even really Keen Healy's in in the in the semis. I'm 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 well. I'm it, just it, going to go straight off the bat. My gut feeling is Kieran Reid's going to win it. It's not even close. Keen Healy shouldn't have even be, been in the competition. He was in it because of because of you arguing the, the props. Me. <laughs> now he would be he would be worth quite a few penalties at scrum time and probably probably I'd say 15 points in a match just from the boot from pen- penalties you're assuming, the screw there. you're assuming Kean Healy can kick sticks oh yes <laughs> 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 uh, 
<laughs> yes. You make a, a good point. point. <laughs> they need to get penalties right in front of the posts, five yards out. But have in the in the semi-final and the final of Super Rugby for Canterbury Crusaders, hasn't Kieran Reid just shown why he was World Player of the Year? Yeah, he had a few months off because of concussion and the last few games that I've watched him, he's been incredible. It just he's, he's everywhere. His ball carrying's unbelievable. Always makes yards. Always makes the right option. Is off. Always offloads perfectly. Makes his tackles and just does everything. It, it's what makes a great number eight, and it's why when I think Haskell players like Haskell has tried to play number eight, and you can probably think of many many examples. I don't want to be cruel to James Haskell because he's a fantastic player, and he's especially good at blindside. I would say, but that rugby intelligence that you get in the best number eights. Think of all the best number eights. The, the way they read the game, the way they float in and out, the way they just track across a field mm. and arrive at the right time, the right place. That is Kieran Reid. Yeah, and when he finds himself in the centre or on the wing or doing the tough stuff up front, he doesn't look out of place doing any of it. So, yeah, Kieran Reid comfortably beats Keen Healy. Well done. Thank you. You've come all this way, Kieran. Well done. Um, but you go no further. Kieran Reid is going to play in the final against one off. Manu Tuolagi or Sergio Parise. Oh, this is mouth-watering. Yeah. Because... Uh, Parise can do it all. We've seen him kick brilliantly. We've seen him gas, oh. gas people from 40 yards. We've seen him make monstrous tackles, turn over the balls on the ground, offload. And The guy when... is an unbelievable specimen. Look brilliant in his pants. Bed a bevy of incredible-looking women. He can do it all. <laughs> and also, when Stade Francais went bankrupt, the one player they couldn't afford to lose and wouldn't lose was Sergio Parise. Mm. Everyone else... Kicked to the curb, but not Sergio. Now Sergio, like Kieran Reed, if he finds himself in the centres on the wing, wherever, he doesn't look out of place. Yeah, but he's a he, bit more abrasive than Kieran Reed, isn't he? I don't think he reads the game quite as well. He's um, oh, I don't uh, know. He's just, he's just a, I think a, his handling, his handling, his handling is incredible. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't think he's just a physical specimen. I think, but he is. He is. Oh, he he's is an incredible. Just, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he's both. But I, I'd say that Manutuolagi, if you put him doing like a six or an eight job or doing the rough stuff up front, he wouldn't look out of place either. Hmm. Well, I don't know. I think Manu Tulani looks out of place anywhere inside of 13 when it comes to the backs. He's not a great a great ball handler. That's what I was going to say. I mean, you could look at it positively. You could go looking at the, the strengths that they have, which one has the better strengths, but also you could look at it as in we've already identified if Sergio Parise found himself at 13, he would know what to do and would make a good decision. Would Manu Tulani would Manu Tulani be as reliable if he was out of his regular comfort zone position or positions. Hmm. No. I'd I'd argue he would be. I, I think he could play as well at ten, certainly as, as Parise could. Um, yeah. No, ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, I'm going to say Sergio Parise wins this, and I'm not willing to debate it any further. <laughs> <laughs> Phil, what's your gut feeling? <sighs> I did pick to argue at the start. I'm tempted to agree with Jay, but I think I'm going to pass it on to you, Tim. I think it would be incredibly close. Oh, you but I'm, I'm, I'm going to sit on the fence, but I'm going to say Tuolagi to, to make the choice yours, Tim. Right, well, I, I have got a decision. It's going to be two number eights in the final. Of course Ooh, it is. Yeah, Kieran Reid against Sergio Parise. I don't blame you. <laughs> two incredible players, and I think what we've come to is, uh, and this whole thing was about picking one team, 1-15, to 15, with the same player, and we have come up with two of the best all-round rugby players in yeah. terms of skill base, in terms of intelligence, decision-making, 
strength, strength pace, pace, yeah, you handling. Name it. You name it, these boys can do it. Feel free to make your own decision on this one, um, but we're going to try and do that now. Oh, <laughs> Kieran Reid. Flashbacks. Versus Sergio Parise. Let's get ready to rumble. What, what are you thinking with this one, JB? Phil? I'm going to have to say Kieran Reid. I just think the whole team would be just a bit better. I look back over... Like, so Kieran Reid for the last two or three years has been the best player in the world. He got, he was the best player in the world last year, as voted mm-hmm. by the RB. He scores tries, he does everything. But Kieran, but Sergio Parisi has been doing that for ten years now, consistently. I am not saying for a second that Parisi is any better or worse but you can make up your own mind after I put my evidence forward Sergio Parise was comfortably the best player in his team i.e. Italy and recently in Stade Francais after they've been ravaged by financial troubles but he plays for Italy and a bad Stade Francais team yeah whereas Kieran Reid is the best player in the Crusaders and the All Blacks the best yeah All Blacks team that was unbeaten in 2013 Correct. he was the best player in that team using that as a benchmark it has to be Kieran Reid just looking at the stats um, Sergio Parise is one inch taller and exactly the same weight so there, there's nothing I, I there's love no it. difference I there. love it you would know I reckon if someone had to guess just from listening to the podcast what job does Phil do the way you always <laughs> go back to numbers and figures it's like oh he'll be a quantity surveyor he loves no he loves numbers he loves figures <laughs> he loves spreadsheets <laughs> and rules he loves rules <laughs> uh, rules and spreadsheets now you're talking Jay I, I think Kieran Reid also you're quite right Phil to point out that Sergio Parise has got a decade of incredible performances and being a one-man team at times for Italy that might be yeah. getting some of his colleagues down but he's been so influential and you could have put he would have walked into how any, could you ever put down Romero Pez <laughs> or Christian Stoica he would have he would have walked into any international team in the world and been their best player for years yeah. at number eight and that's not to be underestimated but I think we're picking it right now today and on that basis I think Kieran Reid is that player who would walk into any team club international and would be the best player in that team comfortably and I don't think you can look past him we could have made this whole thing a lot shorter because we probably could have picked this yeah. <laughs> we've, we've arrived at the world IRB world player of the year as our champion of champions wow we got mavericks I mean if it was up to me it would have been Chalbritz and we spent a month we spent a month doing it yeah well it's, it's close season we needed something to talk about sorry guys it's done yeah. the job and by that by that token what it means is that if Codemasters and Playstation Sony want to produce a new rugby game and one has been long overdue then it should be Kieran Reed rugby yes yes for the PlayStation 4. Exactly. Now, can I just pick you up on a point you made then? I think Sergio Parise would have been the best eight in any country that they decided to Let's play go back five years. Name a better one. Five years. Let's go through a list of number eights five years ago. Martin Curry. Uh, <laughs> uh, Jordan well, Crane. Andy, Andy Powell. Uh, not Sergio <laughs> <laughs> uh, Who is French number eight? Harry Nordicke. Uh, he is an all-time legend, actually. If he'd have been a New Zealander, he'd have been a World Cup winner. Yeah. yeah. Well, you we might not have got in the team. I do think he would have got in if virtually any team any over team. that that period. Hmm. So, um, uh, and it would have been incredibly interesting to to see him, see how he would have done, whether he could have been the best player in the best team. Yeah. But a worthy runner up, a worthy runner up. Well done, indeed. Kieran Reid. We just played the Rocky music there. We're going to get onto Rocky in just a second, but uh, let's go back to Harlequins and Phil caught up with some Quins players in the Shard and asked them if they could have one player 
1 to 15, who would they go for? You're going to hear from Hugo Monier, you're going to hear from Joe Marler, you're going to hear from Marlon Yard, and first from Jordan Turner Hall. 15 of one player, who would it be? Uh, oh, that's a great question. I think you've got to go with pace and power, haven't you? I mean, if yeah. you've got. What's that? Um, sounds bad. Who's that New Zealand winger? Um, Julian Surveyor. That's it. 15 Surveyors. 15 Surveyors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, I do I think? Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Cheers, Jordan. And he wasn't talking about quantity surveyors. Yeah, <laughs> the next one you're going to hear from is Marlon Yard. I know it's, it's a tough one. I think if you're just referring back just to the to the actual the tool of just being on, maybe someone like uh, Ben Smith, uh, 15 of him. Yeah. Or maybe yeah. Yeah, like pretty unplayable. Can do everything, can't he? Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's, he's a good player. He had a good tour against us. So, uh, yeah, it's probably our current form, I'd say. Him, yeah. Well, Ben Smith was one of the people that was suggested and we did put him in, but he got knocked out in the first round, didn't he? Uh, yeah. They, against Keen Healy. Against, he was Keen Healy. What was yeah. he going to do? What was he going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Next up, this is Danny Kerr. I think coming coming away from our, after obviously a long tour in New Zealand I'd say someone like Julian Surveyor I think he's as close to Lomu as they've probably had um, yeah. unbelievable finisher great hands and, and a very powerful bloke so I'd say probably him and, yeah and a big lad as well 15 of him would, would, would be hard to stop and is there anyone who would be completely useless if they had to cover 1 to 15 I think I'd be pretty useless <laughs> 1 to 15 alright in a couple of positions but I'd struggle up front I think Okay, cheers, Danny. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Uh, that was Danny Kerr. Julian Surveyor was a popular selection, and he didn't make our shortlist, did he? No, so he just, didn't. Got overlooked. So just to reiterate what we're doing, we've got our champion of champions, Kieran Reid, and in Street Fighter fashion, we're going to flip games now from from Jonah Lomu Rugby to Street Fighter Two, and now it's it's like we've got we, we need a load of end of level bosses to test our champion. <laughs> so Julian Surveyor could be an end of level boss to test our champion. We could hypothetically put fifteen surveyors against fifteen Kieran Reid. Did and, George North? No, George North didn't get suggested either. Yeah. And yeah, we'll be we'll be hypothetically putting those players head to head. So you can always get in touch at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Right, next up is Ugo. Who could do the job one to fifteen? Um, well, you look at what happened in the summer, and Surveyor's not a bad player. He, he could definitely play the back row. He's, he's a big boy. He's fast. He's, he's capable. He, he can tackle. Um, it, it'd be up there for me at the minute. Okay. Uh, and is there anyone who couldn't do it? Wouldn't be able to play? Couldn't cover back three? or couldn't scrummage something like that <laughs> it's amazing because there's quite a few names that sprung to mind straight away none I want to go on well Danny Kerr said himself yeah, he, he's just being modest though. He, he sprung to mind but no I mean Danny's a talented player um, I couldn't say anyone I couldn't say anyone no, I'd be a bit harsh ok cheers Hugo cheers mate you can hear the media training, can't you? Because you know that if he'd have said, yeah, Danny Kerr, then that could have been a headline in a tabloid. Ugo Monu says Danny Kerr is the worst player in the world. That's a large assumption you think the tabloids care what Ugo Monu thinks. <laughs> well, I, I would have been straight on the phone to the Sun, the <laughs> yeah, Mirror, the yeah. Daily Star. Hi, and then they'd, they'd have gone, they'd, they'd have gone uh, no, um, no, actually, we're not interested in that because Mark Wright and Michelle Keegan have just gone out for dinner. <laughs> so uh, that's a much bigger story. Did, did you, just on that, did you see the, someone tweeted Mark Wright, um, congratulations, 
congratulations on winning the Super Rugby and getting your Man of the Match award because uh, Adam Ashley Cooper is <laughs> sorry who's spit, the, spit who's an Mark image Wright? of uh, Mark. Oh, well, you should be very proud that you just asked that question. Who is he? <laughs> he's uh, he's off that the only way is Essex, and now he's <laughs> he's famous. He's famous. How do you two know him? He's famous for being famous, and turns up to the opening of an envelope, and he's basically a professional paparazzi fodder. That's pretty much. I can tell you why I know him because he, he was in Rosso one time, and uh, two of our friends said, "That's uh, that that guy from the only, only way is Essex." Who have you been hanging around with? Right, next up, let's get back onto rugby. Joe Marler. Now, what I love about this is Joe Marler took his decision on what to come up with so seriously. He really thought this one through. So do you remember the Joe Nalomu 15 yeah. that you could unlock? The, was that, that the one with all the Joe Nalomus? It was 1 to 15, Joe Nalomu. There was another team that was, I can't remember what it was called, some sort of all-stars that were actually all the people that had made the game. So yes, they put the net, and they were actually better than the Joan Joan Lambert All Stars. The Codemasters fifteen, yeah, they they exactly. programmed it. Yeah, so um, but I guess one of them is probably the best, <laughs> best players in the world. Well, maybe uh, fifteen years ago when it was made. Yeah. So we're trying to pick who, if you could have fifteen players on your team, say you're the coach, which one player would you have? One to fifteen. It's tough on that. Gotta go for, you've got to go... Mm, do you go big or do you go small? Oh, one of our guys thinks that scrummaging is so important that he would have a prop every single time. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. <laughs> no, I, I personally wouldn't. But. Yeah, I, mainly because you'd feel sorry for the prop. <laughs> to do all that. Other. Having to cover the back three. It would probably, in, the, in his current condition... And I don't know how to say his name, but it's Rupeni Tau Kau Babau. Rupeni Thau Thau. So in his current condition, <laughs> not, in his, not in his peak. Not, not when he was 21 and he burst onto the scene. Exactly. In his current, is he just signed for Argen or something? Uh, La Rochelle or so one of them? He's, uh, he's carrying a bit more weight than he used to, <laughs> but he's still pretty quick. So I'd have him. He's oh. a unit and he's quick. Good shout. And uh, he's old school as well. He's got a gut. He, he definitely has a gut. Cheers, Joe. No, Joe Marler appreciating a, a rugby player who still rocks a gut. Now. <laughs> so we will be putting our champion of champions, one man 15, Victor, Kieran Reid, next week on the podcast up against Julian Surveyor, the selection of Jordan Turner-Hall, Ugo Monnier and Danny Kerr. And we will be putting Rapenny Thauthau up against Kieran Reid and anyone else you suggest who should be the end of level bosses on our Street Fighter brawl one man 15 <laughs> battle between our champion Kieran Reid and any other player in the world that has been overlooked. JB's already said George North. That might be one you want to put forward at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. Let us know and we will do that battle royal next week. <laughs> I played the Rocky music. I want to quickly hear a little bit about Rocky because you went to see Sylvester Stallone in conversation at the Manchester Arena. I did, actually. And uh, it, I went with your good wife and some, and some of her colleagues. It was interesting. So what was the setup? OK, so here's the setup. You've got a man from Blackpool who seems to love, not just a little bit, but a lot, everything Sylvester Stallone's ever done. Now, his opening gambit was, when I was 18, I scraped up all of my birthday money and flew myself 
to New York to watch the premiere of Rocky. How much money did he get for his 18th? That's what I want to know. <laughs> so I mean, like, in 1980-something. OK, so, so that's the first thing. Now, the second thing is, I didn't realise, actually, how many levels there are to Sylvester Stallone. And he's a poet, director, a few other bits and pieces, obviously actor. actor. Writer, of course, he, because he, wrote, uh, he actually wrote Rocky. Because of this, he's quite a complex guy. Uh, certainly, I want to go as far as intellectual, but complex. The people that are in there watching him, there's a mixture of people who are, you know, passingly interested, such as me, and there's also the kind of guys who think Rocky is a documentary. <laughs> now, <laughs> for these guys, this is not the thing to watch because. He comes onto the stage, and the way he comes on stage is incredible. So they've got, like, abseiling troops and all the rest of it, abseiling marines. He's got a royal guard of marines coming in. Um, then they're dismissed. And then they sit him down, and they go, So, Sylvester, what was the hardest part of your life growing up? And in the meantime, all the crowd are going, Hey, Rocky! Adrian! And they, they don't quite get it. It's, a, it's like a, Q, a Q&A. Uh, and then in the question-answer session, one woman stands up and goes, I'd like to say I met you four years ago. Uh, you signed your name on my forearm. I then took my forearm to a tattoo parlour and I've got it tattooed. <laughs> so this woman has got a tattoo of Sylvester Stallone's signature down her arm. Awesome. Oh, is it? Because the last, the last thing Sylvester Stallone does at the end when some idiot asks him a question like, you're an inspiration to me. What inspires you? Well, he said something like, the thing which inspires me is getting up in the morning and affecting life and affecting the outcome and, you know, grabbing life and, you know, something really inspirational like that. I just thought, like, if you think Rocky's a documentary and you've got Sylvester Stallone's tattoo on your arm, what are the chances of you grabbing life? You can, you can affect what you're having for dinner tonight. That's I'm a, not that's even sure. Well, <laughs> let's talk about Sly. What was it, what was it like? Because... I mean, I was just listening to another tune here from Rocky IV. Um, oh, he... wow. I mean, this would be awesome. Every gym should just play the Rocky IV soundtrack on constantly. <laughs> he was pretty cool. Well, he was cool until the very end. So watching him, he's obviously got tons of charisma, very interesting, can tell a story. But there's a lot of people there that paid a lot of money to go. And at the end, in the, in the VIP thing, uh, which we skipped, but some of our friends went. He actually declined to go meet to go meet meet people. Oh no! Yeah, you, so, don't, you never want to be disappointed meeting your hero, do you? No, and it's okay if you've got a passing interest. But if for whatever reason it is, the last twenty years of your life have been dedicated to building your Sylvester Stallone shrine, this is heart, heartbreaking. <laughs> oh. So I felt sorry for them, and I felt even more sorry for them that it was a spurious illness that had had to have him whisked away. So classic A-list, really charismatic, clearly very very. Clever, in-depth bloke, but actually a bit of an idiot. Mm. Can I just play something that, from Rocky? That's like everyone. I mean, Rocky won won a won an Oscar, and it was did it? Yeah, won did an Oscar, it? Best picture. Crikey! The I love the death scene in this sounds sounds really morbid I love the death scene in Rocky I think it's Rocky 3 uh, when Sylvester Stallone decides to take on Clubber Lang who is uh, B.A. Baraka's Mr. T he tells a good story about that Mickey his trainer dies and then the noises that Sylvester Stallone makes are absolutely brilliant Um, just have a listen just showing the depth of his acting no the man's got range (laughs) me (laughs) Oh, <laughs> 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 
that he sounds like he's actually saying no mickey i want a nintendo just listen again i swear he's every time i hit it i go he's saying i want a nintendo anyway good to meet him and, you know, to... no i didn't actually meet him but uh, Mm. But an inspirational fella? Was he inspirational? Well, he's very clever, isn't he? Because um, obviously the way he got to where he is is basically writing a film and the perfect person to play the role in the film of a Philadelphia guy is him because he's from Philadelphia. But it's kind of like me writing a film about a dyslexic Tory. You know, I'd be the <laughs> ideal you know, I'd be the ideal person to play it, but it doesn't mean it's any good. So I kind of feel like that. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, we have got one final thing to do on the podcast today. And again, we return to Phil's meeting at Harlequins. Now, I need to get some more music up for this one because this is something we've been doing because Phil is, for the first time... Are you playing any rugby, Phil? Uh, Not at the moment. I... Certainly not for the next few months, because uh, I saw a shoulder surgeon last week. Do you use your Booper season ticket? <laughs> yeah. What are you, what, what's your intention when you get back fit? Um, it all depends on work. Bodybuilding. Because I'm, I'm down in London at the moment. Have you got a club in mind that you might give your services to? Would it be Sedgley Park Seconds and you yeah. stay with Sedgley Park? I'd, I'd, I'd probably play. If I, if I do go back playing, I'd probably play Sedgley Park Seconds. Right. Well, you, you've, only, you've been a one-club man. It'd be hard and weird to uh, change clubs at this point. But no, uh, Phil's injuries work. It, it happens to everyone at that the stage in your career where you go, do you know what? I'm going to have to knock it on the head. Uh, that means, though, Phil has never, ever supported a team because every weekend, certainly when he's not been injured, he's been involved <laughs> in uh, playing rugby from mini rugby through to the championship with Sedgley Park. And now he's going to experience what it's like to support a team. And we're asking for clubs to put forward and supporters of clubs to put forward reasons why it should be your club. And you met someone in quite a high profile position from Harlequins who who wants you as a fan, Phil. Yes, he he came to me actually. I didn't have to go to him. He, he'd been listening to the pod and he came over <laughs> and he said, I know... Why are you, you laughing, JB? Why are you laughing? <laughs> because... All high-level executives listen to the pod. It's silly, it seems silly that you mentioned We're, we're an influential uh, podcast. Don't, don't joke. Exactly. So, so uh, David Ellis. David Ellis, CEO he, of Harlequins. He, he knew we were coming. We were on the list. Your name was down on the guest list. Yeah, he thought, oh, I'll have a word with that lad. I'll make sure he comes and supports Quinns. Yes. Uh, and he, he pitched for me to be a fan. So we've had lots of people on Twitter. We've had people writing emails. We've had loads of people. And if you want your club to be considered, it will mean that Phil will be a supporter of your club. He will buy the shirt. We will come and do podcasts from your ground. You will get much more prime time talk on the podcast. And your club could be centre stage with Phil as its newest recruit. Here is David Ellis of Harlequins trying to get Phil's support in the fan free agency. Why, why should you support Harlequins? Well, there's a number of good reasons, but primarily it's because of the style of rugby we play. Um, it's fast, it's fluid, it's loose, and we're famous for it. And we've been playing that style of rugby for uh, since Adrian Stoop was at, the, was, was at our ground in 1924. So it's exciting. You're going to see exciting rugby. But coming to, to Harlequins, it's a real family club. Uh, there's a place for everyone. It doesn't matter where you're from. And we've got some of the most exciting players in England playing there. We've got some of the most exciting youngsters coming through the academy. 
We've got more England players, uh, England homegrown players than any other team in the whole, whole of the country. Uh, we really focus on our community clubs and grassroots to make it one big family atmosphere on, a, on any given Saturday. So I think uh, there's a few reasons in there, but we would be welcome at the Stoop anytime. Excellent. Thanks a lot, David. Well, that's a slickly put together pitch, that. Yeah. Phil, once he's heard the pitch, is deciding whether or not to put the team through to boot room, which is a bit like an X Factor, you know, they've put them through to boot camp. So like a shortlist. Yes. And the potential shortlist so far is Leicester, Tigers, Bath Rugby. Ulster. Ulster. And, and Old Sullyans. Yes, Old Sullyans RFC. Harlequins, what, what yeah. are you thinking? Now, not just because you were taken up the shard by Harlequins. Again, <laughs> not a euphemism, although that definitely would have sealed the deal for Phil. Um <laughs> How, how are you feeling about it? Quinns potentially being your club. I do quite like Harlequins. I've quite liked them for a long time. I very much like the, the style of play. They do play a slightly more expansive game. He said they're, they're a family club. And I really like the, the new stash as well. I could see myself buying and wearing now, that Can that I just stash. say, I've been to a couple of Quinns matches, both when they're in the Championship and in the Premiership. And it is, in my mind on par with Bath for the match experience. Really? It is a really good old knees up afterwards inside the Stoop Stadium. Mm. And you can mix with all the players. Uh, there is no problem with that at, at Oh, really? All. Yeah. I mean, they've got this like, little red rope, which I, I suppose if things get a little bit um, too much of them, they can hide behind, which is fair enough. But they don't use it. They come and mi- mingle with the crowd. And there's a band on. And all the fans have got loads of money, so they're all throwing beer down their throat. <laughs> so it's good. Yeah, I'm not sure I'll fit in with that. No, no. you wouldn't. <laughs> Some, they do have a, a special uh, paleo brew, though, so maybe that'll, that'll work for you. <laughs> Ooh, paleo brew, no, we're talking. <laughs> well, I'll say on that one is I, I don't regard you, Phil, as a, as a kind of flair man. You're quite... Down to earth. <laughs> You're quite down to earth, gritty, northern, <laughs> salt of the earth kind of like. I don't know. Would you? Would there be an element like Quinns? Like you say, the style of play they trade is attractive and full of flair. The kit they wear is full of colour. Cleontelle are kind of yeah. So because you're lower social, a lower social standard to Quinns fans. <laughs> yeah, and you like basic rule following rugby by numbers because it's you know. It's easy to record and you can put it on a spreadsheet. <laughs> Would you like to support Quinns? But then on the flip side, on the flip side, we've already, you know, there's not many players that have been put into banter squad. Run! But one of them is Joe Marler. And yeah. I had that experience when I was match announcing at Sale Sharks when I was stood in the, in, the, in the tunnel and I was sat, stood right next to the Harlequins dugout. They have more fun than any other team. I can including that, Saracens. I can tell you that, including Saracens. They have more fun than any other team. They have a brilliant atmosphere that they create amongst themselves. So it'd be not, I, I could see myself identifying with the players and buying into it. Yeah, all very good. There's, only, there's two negatives that I can see. Um, one, obviously, me being a pie-eating northerner. Mm. I wouldn't, wouldn't fit in down there. No. And I'm a bit of a glory hunter as we know, and mm-hmm. I'm a bit worried about the state of their second row for next season. Yes. Um, so, with those they played, two things. They played nice sevens, sevens rugby, though. They played lovely sevens rugby. Their ground's good. It'd be nice to go and have a nice Saturday afternoon in, yeah, the, in the sunshine in Richmond. It is it? a nice Saturday afternoon there. We can, yeah. We should do that. We should, we, yeah. we should do that anyway. <laughs> but, Phil. What are you thinking? Hmm. So, a couple of negatives. Quite a few positives, but the negatives. So next season, I really want to be supporting a team with a good chance of winning something. 
which I do think Harlequins have. So I'm going to mm. put them through Good to boot room. Good choice. Good choice. Well done, Harlequins. I, some people will be calling fix and some people will be calling that there's questionable morals of Phil having just been wined and dined up the shard by Harlequins <laughs> that he's putting them through to boot room no that's exactly what he wants I endorse, yeah. I endorse more, more winding and dining please <laughs> I endorse his decision he's, he's the set blatter of rugby is Phil <laughs> uh, but well done Harlequins you're through to boot room and, um, and, and that is it for another podcast just suffice to say if you and your club would like Phil to be its newest fan. If you want to shout about what makes your club great on the podcast, and if you want us to be putting your club centre stage, then get in touch with us. Twitter at Rugby Podcast. Let us know that you would like to put a pitch forward. Just a chance to shout about what makes your club so great. And we'll tell everyone about it, and we'll hear from you next time on the podcast. At Rugby Podcast on Twitter. We'll see you there in between now and next week. Thanks for listening. Nice one, JB. Bye, Tim. See you, Phil. Cheers, Tim. Hi, I'm Joe Marler. When I'm impersonating Zangief from Street Fighter, I always listen to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 